You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. Hope everybody's enjoying their Saturday morning. I'm host and audio producer of the Airhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We'll get things going today with the Out of Structure Podcast with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner as they talk about that Chiefs offense and the way that they could improve headed into that huge Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. We follow that up with marinated takeaways on the editor show between Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. That's going to be around the 11-minute mark. Then we'll take a quick time out. When we get back, you'll hear from the Great British Chiefs show as they take our first deep dive for Thursday night football between the Chiefs and Chargers. And then we will wrap things up with a special edition of the Rapid Reaction Show. Myself and Ron the Show Hughley reacting to that absolutely insane, thrilling walk-off overtime win for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Well, I had another good question from Alex Guerrero, uh, Alex underscore Guerrero 55 on Twitter. Uh, what will work and continue to work best? Is it the passing game or the running game? We have a couple follow-up questions about the run game here, but uh, what do you think? Should they rely on the run or the pass more going forward? Yeah, well, I think they need to get to a point where they can trust the run to to really you know be the, the reason they – they can move the ball on offense because I do think, you know, at some point, you know, I think the Chiefs are heading to a one seed, but if they can't, you know, if they have to go to a New England or, you know, even if somehow Buffalo, I know they've lost a few games can, you know, depending on where they have to go in the playoffs. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to run the ball and 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 be affected with it. Um, but at the same time, this is Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's tire kill. This team isn't going to win the Super Bowl if if the pass offense isn't the reason you know, they're winning and, and they're feeling good about stuff. You know, they're, they're not going to win the Super Bowl like the 2015 Broncos with the defense completely carrying them with a 40 year old Peyton Manning. Um, this, this just team, like as good as the defense is playing, you know, they're going to be playing a lot better teams in the playoffs and, and the playoff teams with elite offenses, elite quarterbacks are going to be playing, you know, their best football at that point and their best strategies. The offense still needs to be able to match that and still be able to put up a lot of points. So all that to say, uh, the pass offense is definitely more important than you need to be able to get that going more. I wasn't sure you were actually going to answer that question, Ron. I know (laughs) you're really hedging your bets there playing both sides. Um, Oh man. I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, I think a balanced offense is, is, is a good offense. And I think this team in a lot of ways is built to run the ball. These offensive linemen love to run block. Now that's true for all offensive linemen, but these guys um, are, are, true maulers in the sense that the Chiefs have not had in recent years on the offensive line. I think you want to feed, um, you know, feed those guys, feed the running backs and and get some some guys into some rhythm uh, when it comes to the run game, uh, just to keep everything loose and, and opened up, you know. So I want to see him commit to the run and stay committed to the run. 
obviously, as we mentioned earlier, this team wins when they make big plays on offense. Um, but I do think the running backs can be a big part of that. And, and that really leads right into the next questions. Uh, Steve Williams, Stevie Williams on Twitter. Should they continue to utilize a three-headed monster at running back? Or would you rather see one guy, Clyde, get into a rhythm? Right? He says that fresh legs on the field seemed beneficial in the Raiders massacre. That's a good, good name for it, keeping the defense on its heels. Um, what do you think about the running back approach? Should it continue to be a running back by committee or, or not? So I think it needs to be a healthy balance like we saw this game where I do think they need to get Clyde going. They need to continue to get him into a rhythm. I think Clyde's a guy that you can kind of see. And I think Daryl was having a similar, actually, um, revolution in this season when Clyde went out. But over time, you're kind of seeing, you know, more and more just getting downhill, cutting fast, cutting hard, and it's and it's leading to bigger gains in the run game. Um, instead of, you know, Clyde has a tendency to trust his vision and trust his quick, you know, shortcut ability where he'll kind of just you know, kind of dance around a little bit and, and wait for the perfect seam. Sometimes you just got to hit a little vintage Le'Veon Bell there, right? Like, Yeah, right. And and Le'Veon was so good at it that, you know, and that offense was so wide open. I think that was another reason why I was so good at it. But he's elite at that kind of stuff. Clyde, you know, I, I think you do have to have some, you know, I, I think he is really good at that. But all that to say, I think he's starting to get more confident. I think you're starting to see that, get more confident in like, hey, if there's a seam and he thinks he can fit it, that the first scene he sees, he's hitting, he's putting his foot in the ground and 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 getting downhill and going through the hole. We saw that a couple times against Denver, but then we also saw he he balanced that out with good runs where he showed vision and patience. That his second touchdown run might have been one of the best plays of his career from a rushing perspective. Reads reads the read, tries to read the hole in zone. None of the zone holes are popping up. Makes a incredible lateral cut to the outside off tackle. And, and finds room to kind of squeeze through and just pops through into the end zone. That, that is why I do think I, I want to see them get Clyde more and more into a rhythm where he's really feeling good and he's, he's constantly, you know, uh, making these big plays, even if they're not always, you know, 20-plus yard gains. You know, 8 to 10-yard gains are what this offense needs from the run game, honestly. And that's why Andy continues to rile in the zone. But to, to wrap it all up, it is just nice to see Clyde going. But this is not the most important time for him to be a bell cow back, right? So I do want them to continue to sprinkle in Gore and Williams to kind of just keep him fresh. He is still a young running back that has not played a full season in the NFL yet. Once again, Ron's sitting on the fence, hedging his bets here, not not taking a stance. Um, no, I, I I don't think it's wrong. I think I do think Clyde is a volume guy, and I think the the more comfortable he gets with this offensive line, the better he's going to be. Um, but Daryl's making some big plays too. And I, and I think the running backs in the passing game uh, continue to be a story. Uh, they were a story this week. They were the leading receivers last week in a, in a slow offensive performance. But uh, this week you still got big reception out of Daryl Williams. You still got a couple receptions out of Clyde, although they weren't, they weren't big plays. Um, but they're, they're trying to get the backs involved in both the run and the pass. Uh, and and it, the the mix between the two go with the hot hand. I mean, I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a an either or situation. You need multiple running backs. Uh, and it was nice to see uh, Derek Gore get in there and, and break one loose. By the way, I forgot this on our uh, takeaways from the snap counts. Uh, but Lucas Niang, the right tackle, who's been out with that rib injury uh, over the last few weeks, 
Got in for four snaps with the backups this week. A nice, again, a nice benefit of this game, being able to work some of these guys back from injury slowly. But watch the highlight of the Derek Gore run. Uh, Niang is is creating a wall for Gore to, to cut off of uh, and and break that 51-yard touchdown. Uh, Niang is one of those guys that is just a, a phenomenal run blocker. Uh, and I think we, we get lulled to sleep by okay play by Andrew Wiley and pretty good play by Mike Remmers. But this offense is going to be best when Niang is healthy, he's at right tackle, and this group's able to develop some continuity as a unit uh, from now, hopefully through the next four years or more. Um, Lucas Niang, I thought, uh, had at least a couple of really good snaps on his return. Yeah, I totally agree, and I'm and I actually didn't notice that you pointed that out to me as we were pre- prepping for the show. So I'm glad you did because that might be another answer to why maybe you know we're not seeing the run game maybe be as effective consistently or successful as you know I just kind of talked about you know and and we've talked about over and over how this offensive line is built to be a dominant run blocking line. You know, it it is important to have your right tackle in there. You know, if you have a guy like Wiley who you know, let's just be honest. He's just not the biggest guy. So he is going to get tossed around a little bit. If you're running to that right side, that edge is is mostly going to be won by the defensive end. Um, Cause Wiley's just, you know, he's a pretty decent guard, but he's not a good tackle. He's been, the chiefs have been able to mask him and, and he's done a good enough job to make it not a problem. But I do think maybe when the gets back in that we could see the run game kind of take off. Cause you know, I, I say runs to the right side, even runs to the left side. You know, if a DN cuts inside and, and Wiley just not, you know, Wiley just doesn't have the mass sometimes to to kind of get in front and and really stop that penetration. So, you know, it, it it's just one piece, but I think that it and it's just another microcosm of why football is the ultimate team sport. Is you know, you can have the rest of your guys blocking their butts off and being really good, but yeah, if you if you have one you know weak link at right tackle, it, it brings the entire you know grade of the the unit down. So once Niang gets back in that run game might be able to take off again and, and be really good. You know, speaking of offensive linemen, Dr. Spaceman uh, on Twitter is at uh, Corvo underscore John. Can we get Creed enough hype to win the offensive rookie of the year? He is the best center in football. Hashtag Creed for O-R-O-T-Y. Uh, what do you think? Any chance that a rookie can win offensive uh, rookie of the year? No, unfortunately, but I'll take the opportunity to to take a victory lap, I guess, or just be excited that I feel like I've been calling ever since Mitch Morse, you know, the, the Chiefs let Mitch Morse walk in free agency. I've been wanting the Chiefs to draft a, a high pick center that they could start right away and just kind of, you know, because that's exactly what Mitch Morse did, right? You know, Mitch Morse is a little more, you know, versatile in terms of what position he could play. But all that to say is, is Creed turned out to be everything I imagined and better in terms of a guy you pick you know, first or second round that you can start right away at center. He has an argument to already be the best center in football, and, and he might get the Pro Bowl votes uh, potentially to, to already be a Pro Bowl center his first year. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, getting ready for this short week Thursday night football game. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers. Before we do, we're going to get into some of our marinated takeaways from this Chiefs and Raiders game. Stay locked in to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as the Great British Chiefs show 
will serve as our preview this week. And then show and BK, sorry again to that reviewer, will be <laughs> and and Serta's giggles will be covering the post game <laughs> this week while BK is on his honeymoon. And I believe BK will be back the following week as we come out of the mini buy that happens with Thursday Night Football. But enough. Let's get into our marinated takeaways from Chiefs Raiders. John, go ahead. Yeah, I almost wrote about this. Um, and I, I have to admit that I, I don't have a lot of marinated takeaways from this game because we had to immediately turn around and start thinking about the charges, just like the Chiefs coaches have to do. Well, I was listening on 610 out. Sports Radio last night to Mitch Holtis, and, uh-huh. and he had been talking all show about having dolphin brain because we are – focused on thursday night football <laughs> and i don't disagree with him which is why we're turning the page quickly at arrowhead pride it it, it is a weird phenomenon thursday night football where you mm-hmm. have to really turn quickly but let's like we can't let down our 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 listeners who love the world famous so let's absolutely let's say. Go and ahead. we got to talk about a, a 48 to 9 victory i mean we can't just let that sit in the background correct well i almost wrote about this and it when the game began and uh you know there was a fumble (laughs) on the opening play that the chiefs referred returned for a touchdown after this thing that happened at midfield that the raiders did Mm -hmm. i couldn't help but think about the 1969 afl championship game (laughs) You know, I, I don't know if you if you're familiar with this story, Pete, but um, you know the Chiefs went into the AF and into the playoffs that year as a wild card. The Raiders had actually won the division that year and had defeated the Chiefs twice uh, before doing that. And then the Chiefs had won narrowly against the New York Jets in the wild card round, while Oakland had slaughtered the Houston Oilers. Everybody thought the Raiders were going to win that game. Okay. Everybody thought that. Right. And the Raiders certainly thought that. And the story goes, the official confirmed, yes, we know this is true story is that the Raiders packed their bags for new Orleans before the game, because they were so certain that they were going to win that game and advance to the super bowl, the super bowl four that was going to be played in new Orleans. Now, what is less confirmable is the way that Chiefs players tell it, was that the Raiders' bags were packed and they were lining the tunnel that the Chiefs had to walk through in order to get to the field. And Chiefs players from that era who tell this story that way say that from that moment on, the Raiders were toast. (laughs) So I couldn't help but think about that uh, after we saw that opening of the game, after this, this stunt that the Raiders pulled. But then as the game progressed, I started thinking of another game. And that one was in 1991 when the Chiefs hosted the Buffalo Bills, then the defending AFC champions uh, of the, uh, at that time. The Chiefs are 4-2 and two coming into that game. Uh, nobody was quite taking them seriously yet. Right. And here they've got the Bills coming in. Uh, for a home game at Arrowhead, uh, if I'm if I remember right, it was Monday Night Football, for the first time in quite a while. I was there. I was in the upper deck that night, and the Chiefs destroyed the Bills, <laughs> thirty-three to six. 
And oh, uh, the, the Chiefs had five takeaways in that game. It seemed like there was one every every two minutes. Right. I mean, it wasn't quite like that. But in the stands, and I mean, you could feel the stadium shaking. And at that moment, I remember thinking, oh, gosh, the Chiefs are, are the real thing. These guys are going to yeah. be a good team for a period of time because it wasn't really clear. Mm-hmm. that that was the case before 1991. You, you kind of had those hints that it was going that way. But in that moment, in that stadium, that night, you really felt the Chiefs had arrived. And I kind of felt that way after watching this game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's the Raiders. The Raiders are going to Raider, and they did some of that stuff. But it's also true that the Chiefs' defense forced those fumbles. The Raiders didn't just drop them. You know, the Chiefs defense really played great on Sunday, and so did the offense. So I think this was a a wake-up call for the league, kind of like what we saw in 1991. I love that. I love all of that. I have a couple comments stemming from all of that. First of all, my God, what a pleasure it is to have the historian on staff at at Arrowhead Pride so we could compare the present (laughs) with the past and learn and and no, I I, I think that's a, a really cool aspect where we are able to compare it to, to games of Christmas past as we're in the Christmas season. Really strange move by the Raiders to go on the logo. That's the first first thing I, I'd say. You know, we talked about that how hot the Patriots and the Colts are. This is a move that a hot team does. They come in, they have a ton of confidence. Yeah. They feel like they're playing well. The Raiders have lost four or five coming into this game such a strange move for Ngakwe to to go to the arrowhead and do it against a team who is hot like who has won yeah. five games in a row made no sense i do want to say this I'm, I'm not sure how many chiefs knew it seems like some of them may have gotten word from somebody but the chiefs weren't on the field at this time now they knew after the game because there were several tweets kind of quote tweeting it and and laughing at them i think armani watts and willie gay were among those chiefs who tweeted, this is essentially embarrassing that you guys did this. I'm not sure how many chiefs actually knew about the logo. Now fans will remember that forever. I called it the logo game on Arrowhead pride, a quick Trademark. side story. Yeah. Quick, quick side story of about it. And, and that made, and made me feel really good. Joel, I remember him as the block father, our, one of our bosses at SB nation. Now Joel texted me mid game and he, not knowing that I had, had tweeted that an hour before it goes, has anyone called this the logo game yet? And I said, <laughs> it's good that I'm in this position. I'm, I'm happy that we're in the same thought process. So yeah, the logo game. And I, I will say this and, and two more parts on this. I think the chiefs were playing more for Jerry Sneed. I think that was yeah. the greater source of inspiration than the logo. I think the logo was a fun thing that they were able to make fun of after the game where Patrick Mahomes said, you don't do that. Tyre Matthew comes on and says, that's not what champions do. My God, against your greatest rival, how great is it that they gave you an opportunity to say this after you smacked them 48-9 after they did this? But you could tell that I think the team was playing, and I don't want to say they were playing a lot harder, but you could tell it a little bit more emotion with the whole Sneed thing and, and losing his brother. And, and I, I think you really saw that bleed through. What you also saw bleed through, and this is dangerous for other teams, is the Chiefs are playing and they're having so much fun again. Yeah. The mm-hmm. PA puts on swag surf. 
which man, I'm getting, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting old because, you know, I don't really know a ton about this, but this is what the kids are, are doing, I guess, nowadays. And they're dancing and Mahomes is backing them up on the sideline. You have the PA staff playing wheels on the bus as the Raiders leave after their, their victory lap last year, after the game, Patrick Mahomes sneaks into the press conference, turns to the media and says, Shh, and puts his finger to his, to his lips and, 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 basically wanted to be at the podium when Andy Reid walked in and that was a lighthearted moment. <laughs> this team was not having fun at the beginning of the year. Frank yeah. Clark confirmed that and he, he said that has been the major change of the front four and, and the front seven and really the defense as a whole. But I think it's the team as a whole and it, you're starting to recapture that 2019 feel. I don't know, despite the winning, I don't know if we had this feel in 2020 because COVID was kind of like a cloud over everything. Even in it's the hard for anybody to have fun last year. Yeah, it really? didn't. Yeah. It didn't feel the same as nineteen. It didn't. Yeah. And then you had all the injuries, and and the rest is history. But I, I think this team is most dangerous when they're having a good time, and that is clearly happening uh, again. Now, for a a less happy marinated takeaway for Chiefs fans, I want to read this from Mike Clay. The Chiefs have faced two high safeties less than 40% of the time in only two games this season. Week 10 versus the Raiders, 28%. Week 14 versus the Raiders, 24%. The Chiefs scored 41 in week 10 and 48 in week 14 compared to 23.8 per game in their other 11 games. And we have an article up, and you can go back and listen to Ron and Matt, who touched upon this on Monday. But my greater greater takeaway from this game and it's fitting because of the short week and because we're all so forward looking is you got to see this type of performance against more than just the lowly Raiders who decide to stand on your logo. And I, I think it's a good opportunity on, on Thursday night to, to see, okay, can they repeat this? Because we did have an offensive explosion in a sense three weeks ago, and then you didn't really see it in the two games to follow. So there needs to be some consistency. I said it before this game. I said, okay, let's see if the offense can do it, but we're going to have to see it on Thursday. And so I think it's just a reaffirmation of that point where the Raiders are a little stubborn when it comes to not <laughs> playing the two high safeties. Yeah. It's in part, as I learned from speaking with uh, our friend from, from Vegas who came on with us on the Arrowhead pride interview series, it's because Jonathan Abram is not really a great coverage safety. So who knows if they have the personnel even, necessarily do that that being said when it comes to just the chiefs you need to see this offensive performance not only i think against the chargers but it would be nice to see it in three or four games in a row against the steelers against the bengals can they continue to look this good on offense i tend to think it's possible because the chiefs have begun to lean a bit more in the run game and utilizing running backs so not all it doesn't always have to be an attempt but like you saw on the screen to daryl williams getting to it to him behind the line of scrimmage and punishing teams for playing a little bit further back. Now, Darrell Williams scored a touchdown. That's not always going to happen, but being able to get those chunk games with the runners to me is turning this offense into the, maybe the juggernaut that we've been used to in previous years. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called the future of work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. 
Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. We now wrap up with the Great British Chief Show, previewing the Chiefs and Chargers, and then finish things off with Ron the Show Hughley and myself discussing that thrilling overtime victory. Oh, man, I'm just I'm just really good at about this. <laughs> again, COVID is kind of it's just it's it's thrown itself into our lives again. And just when we thought that everything, you know, we've got the stadiums back again and we've got all the, the players are, uh, yeah, still going under the, um, you know, the, the the protections and stuff and making sure that they, you know, they're not mingling as much. But they've got to be able to do that as well. You've got to have a life with that outside yeah. of football. You've got to have life outside of the game. So you, you're going to get that spread, I suppose. Yeah, it's inevitable. It, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. But... Uh, well, let's try and cheer you up a little bit because the positive <laughs> side about the Chiefs' defence at the moment has obviously been the defensive line, but also the player, the secondary. And this secondary yeah. is playing at a completely different level to what it was when we first played the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, 4-0, I don't think, played in that game. Fenton wasn't in the lineup. Mike Hughes was. Traveris Ward wasn't playing at this all-pro level that he seems to be playing, uh-huh. with, playing at the moment. This, this secondary has stepped up. And yes, you can argue that the secondary has stepped up because of what the defensive line is doing. But that would be entirely unfair on the, on the actual players themselves. They have been phenomenal to a man, all of them over the last few weeks. Even Dan Sorensen stepping up now and making plays on a consistent basis. So yeah. I, you, to sit here and think, actually, oh, the Chargers are going to pass all over the, the Chiefs and they're going to score loads of points. That's not true. I still fancy the Chiefs to potentially hold the Chargers to less than 20 points. It's just whether the Chiefs can play a clean game on the other side of the ball. Against the Chargers in week three, they were terrible against the Chargers defense. What well, I think it was the first three drives of the game where we turned the ball over. And that, I think it started with the Marcus Kemp, uh, the, the bat yeah. up into the air. The Chiefs won't be that bad on offense again. And no. the Chargers defense has only been getting worse as the season goes on. It's not that great. They're allowing nearly 26 points a game. They're allowing 348 yards a game, but it's on the ground where they're getting gashed. 140 yards a game. That's quite a lot for an NFL defense to concede. And it'd be interesting to see how the Chiefs decide to attack that. Like, are they going to come out with this new two-pronged attack of Clyde edwards helaire and Daryl Williams, which everyone seems to be excited the about? The false WR2. The false WR2. Do you know what? When he caught that pass on Sunday, the first thing I thought was false WR2. <laughs> We've invented it, mate. We've invented yeah. it. False WR2 is, is, uh, is, is Daryl Williams because we... we it clearly needed something this offense didn't it something slightly different but in a short uh, in in the short game mm. and daryl williams has been that 
that kind of key. And I know they've been using Clyde Edwards-Alaire quite a bit where he's been um, he, he's been going out into the flats a, a lot more, but he hasn't been used as much. No. But they do seem to use Williams in that as that threat. So I like it. I, I like the fact that we're using two RBs, capable RBs, and, and mixing it up a little bit more because it, it has opened the field a bit. And we saw that with Mahomes against the Raiders. You know, he managed to get some, uh, some, some you know, some big, big air out of uh, out, out of those balls recently. Um, that third and 17 that you mentioned earlier was phenomenal. It was, yeah. it, you know, it, it's something that we haven't seen for, it feels like we haven't seen it for a long time. No, we haven't. And like, back to Edwards Hilaire, if you watch his runs in the first half against the Raiders, he might have only run for 27 yards. But they were 27 really impressive yards. Yeah. If you t- if you take away the first two runs of the game where they just decided to run straight through the middle and get stuffed, yeah. the rest of his rushing attempts were really quite impressive. Yeah. And he's, Quite elusive, wasn't he? Yeah, he, it was elusive mm. and he showed vision. And mm. we're not used to Clyde Edwards-Alaire showing as much vision as he showed on Sunday. Like he, when he came out of college, everyone said that he was really good at using his eyes, but we haven't really seen that where <laughs> normally runs through the middle. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. Where on Sunday where they, he was bouncing all over his shops, seeing gaps late and rushing through them. And that's the type of thing that we're going to need to see from the, um, the chiefs uh, offense this, this Sunday, I, if I oh, this Thursday, rather, if I'm Andy Reid, I, as much as I hate it, I plan to gash the charges on the run. Yeah. I really do. You've got you've got the advantage in the middle there with 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 um, Humphrey Smith and Joe Tooney. You have a a middle Frieda that is capable of just blowing gaps open for this team. The Chargers are not a good run defense, so let's use it against them. Let's bring them up and then potentially attack through the air with Mahomes. Because if Chris Jones isn't playing and the Chiefs defense does regress a little bit, you might need to score some points. It, it, you just might have to. So maybe maybe that's the way that the Chiefs can go about it by setting up the run, uh, setting up the pass with the run. And I know the Chiefs normally do the opposite. They normally set up the, the run with the pass, but maybe we need to revert to that this Sunday. But then again, if we're going to get a Mahomes performance like we saw against the, the Raiders, then it doesn't really matter. If he comes out firing like that and um, with as much confidence as he did, then it, it, it won't be a contest. Yeah, I think with the the offense this time though, it does feel as though it has got its act together, and it's not just this uh, this high speed big chunk players that we that we're used to. They are learning now to use that short game a lot more. The short game now seems to be incorporated into this attack, mm-hmm. and I don't think the Chargers are going to be prepared for something like that. I think they're going to be used to defending the way that they were defending, obviously in week three. Um, but the Chiefs' turnovers in that game from the offense yeah. were the key in that. Because, I mean, what was the last game? Was it 30-24, I think, the last yeah, uh, the yeah, week three game was, wasn't it? So there's only one score in it, and yet we turned the ball over like four times, I think it yeah. was. You're not going to get that out of this team again. No. Not the way it's playing now and, and, and with its with its championship swagger that we've, <laughs> we've all been calling it after the Raiders game. But it's fair to say that they have sorted it out. Andy Reid seems to have sorted out, sorted out, and learnt from, um, you know, trying to be the gunslingers of uh, of the AFC West, um, and and using that short game a lot more. And I, I just think I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to handle it. I really don't. So much confidence coming from you. You're exuding now, confidence. Yeah. <laughs> you've got over the Chris Jones. You've got over the Chris Jones knees and talking that on a, on a broader yeah. point. Is this the biggest game the Chargers have played since they moved to LA? 
Probably yes. This is, I mean, because everything that's riding on this at the minute is the AFC West and the AFC, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, they're in play. If they if they win on Sunday or Thursday, sorry, yeah. they're in play for the number one seed too. Exactly. It's not just us. They're in play for it, and I think their schedule really eases up. I think they've got the Raiders, the Broncos, and some other team that's a gimme as well. Um, How are they lost against the Broncos though? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Um, but the, they're they're within, within a genuine chance of going twelve and five, and twelve and five might be enough to get the number one seed. Okay, they're probably reliant on the Patriots losing a game or two, but they 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 might just have enough there. So it, it's a huge a huge game, and I'll be interested to see what the turnout is from Chiefs Kingdom. Like, the traditionally they travel really well, but and but this is the first time they've got to go to that stadium in LA and watch the game and it's a prime time game. So again, you expect more Chiefs fans to be in town. Um, it, in terms of a spectacle, the, the, the NFL are just going to be all over this because yeah. it's, it's the biggest game they've played since they got to the stadium. Without a doubt. Yeah. Comfortably. It's, it'd be interesting to see if that kind of pressure could get to Justin Herbert. Cause we never see, really seen him in this kind of pressured environment, have we? And especially with a lot riding on the game. Yeah, I'd be interested to look up his prime time record. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how he's done in prime time. But the glory about being a team that doesn't really play many prime times games is that you just get to go along quietly about your business. Yeah. Where Mahomes just doesn't get that. He doesn't get to quietly go about his, his business because he plays for the best team over the last three years. Everything that Mahomes does is examined by the national media and it's easy to fall in love with a guy like Justin Herbert because all you see is snippets. Like yeah. a lot of people do sit down and watch every single snap of Justin Herbert, but a lot of people don't at the same time. So to a casual, when all they see is Justin Herbert being amazing, doing things like he done on Sunday, like that ridiculous 65 yard pass, it's easy to sit there and go, well, Herbert's just as good as Mahomes. Well, you might think that because that's all you see. All you see of this player that doesn't play this many primetime games is that. But Mahomes, he plays so many big games and so many primetime games that loads of people tune into. When he yeah. makes mistakes, they are exacerbated. They are made to seem much worse than they actually are. Where Herbert is kind of not put under that pressure, but he will be on Thursday. It'd be interesting to see how he reacts to... Mahomes versus Herbert, which is the conversation that people like to have, like, even though I'm very anti that conversation. But Mahomes versus Herbert, people want to want to see that. And but if he does win on Thursday, he would have played Mahomes three times, then he'd have been up two to one. I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then ones to watch, mate. Chargers. I'm going to go with Joey Borsa this week. Yeah, uh, I know he's their sack leader at the minute, but he's he's one of those, especially with the fact that uh, we've got Wiley on the right hand side at the minute, and we don't know if we're getting Wiley or Diang, do we, for this game? Right. For this game, we have no idea what's going on with that. But um, Joey Borsa is always one to watch um, in my eyes. Yeah, he's got an eighty-seven point nine grade from PFF, Joey Borsa. Mm-hmm. So force fumbles. Doing all right. <laughs> He's doing He's tied 16th for sacks. Like, as you mentioned, him versus Wiley could be one of the key matchups. But mm. Wiley seems to be doing, doing okay at the moment. That wasn't an easy right against for him on Sunday mm. against Ngokwe and Max Crosby, and he seemed to hold up okay. In fact, the offensive line in general has been a 
in pass protection has been a plus side. Everyone was panicking about Orlando Brown and he seems to be playing much better. So my one to watch is one of three, really. It's, it's whoever fills in for Rashawn Slater. Is it going to be Trey Pipkins, Storm Newton or Matt Failer? That's a that's a trio of names right there, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, but whoever, whoever they decide to put in out those three, have got their hands full with Frank Clark because this version of Frank Clark has been playing phenomenal for the last few weeks. So um, downgrading from Rashawn Slater, a guy that many picked to be an all-pro going forward, downgrading from him to a backup, bodes well for the Chiefs. You could argue that that's just as equally, equally as ba- big loss for them as Chris Jones is for us. Probably, um, yeah. Potential game records you know. there. So um, it kind of ties in quite nicely with my one to watch for the Chiefs and my, my one to watch is Frank Clark. Like, you are now the, the figurehead of this Chiefs uh, defensive line. You are the experienced guy, the guy that's been there, done that with this particular unit. Chris Jones not being there, you have become this leader of this Chiefs defensive line. So let's let's see it. You've got a potentially easier matchup mm. on on Thursday night. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big one for him. Yeah. Uh, my one to watch with the Chiefs is Melvin Ingram. I've gone for defensive ends this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Melvin Ingram is ready for a revenge game against the Chargers. He's playing so well at the minute as well. He fits in so well with this de- this Chiefs defense. Um, and I can't wait to see him uh, take down Justin Herbert. I, I, <laughs> I think it's just going to be – it's going to be the crowning moment for me uh, in this game because, um, you know, Melvin Ingram, he – yeah, he – he obviously went to what did he go to Seahawks, didn't he? I think it was. Um Steelers, Steelers yeah. He went to the Steelers. Um and obviously he, he realized he made a bad mistake there and came to the Chiefs. And, <laughs> and I think I think one of the key things was it playing against the Chargers and I, he's gonna have a good game. He's gonna the I, fact I, that I he think... didn't have any choice in the matter and he got traded doesn't put both into it at all, does it? But... Well, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think I think he's gonna at least get two sacks in this game. Listen, y'all, I'm, and I listen to the post games and I watch them. Y'all haven't come in after a game like that. Y'all no. hadn't come in after a like <laughs> we that. Have not. To hell with no, anything. I'm we stunned. have not. Uh, not all season long have we had a game like that, in my opinion. Man, 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 what a football game, Ron. Uh, that is Ron the Show Hughley uh, stepping up, filling in with me tonight after Thursday night football, an incredible football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Chargers. Chiefs win it on a walk-off touchdown to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey went absolutely nuts. He was due 191 yards, two touchdowns for Travis Kelsey in this football game, including the game-winning touchdown. (sighs) I don't even know where to start. (laughs) This is is where we'll start here. By the way, a a few things that I want to take. The number one thing from all of this, and I want everybody out there listening, the number one thing from all of this. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to put my foot down here. We are not about to start this Daniel Sorensen celebration as our touchdown celebration. Because Travis Kelsey <laughs> at the end of the game did it and did the stupid <laughs> thing. That, that's that, the thing that, No, no, that's not going to become the thing. If I see Tyreek sliding down doing that stupid daniel thing or, or clyde no that's the number one thing we're we're, we're we're gonna bury that now but the thing with this game i will never forget gino oriema head coach of uconn one time they won a game and they talked to him afterwards and he said hell we got diana and they don't 
Well, it ain't just one guy. The Chiefs just got way too many dudes. I just tweeted that out after the game ended. They just got too many dudes. They don't even got to play well because tonight that offense did not play well, right? And, and, and I mean, and then till the fourth quarter happened, and then all hell broke loose, and they said, oh, we need to flip this switch and get it together. Um, Pat's missing throws all over the place. But ultimately what happens there is they got too many dudes that you got to try to handle to make plays with. And especially those three, those three that should be first ballot Hall of Famers when they lock it up, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, they just got too many dudes. And they showed up and showed out in the fourth quarter in overtime tonight. Yeah, well, and let's let's get into the offense a little bit because we were obviously messaging each other during the football game and Patrick Mahomes had a couple of just very bad throws where uh, Inuasu linebacker for the Los Angeles chargers was just totally reading him from the snap and multiple times tonight, he was just staring down his first read. And I text you and I was just like, it feels like the chiefs overcorrected their offense a little bit. Like, Early in the season, the turnovers were going absolutely crazy. Obviously, we talked about it a ton. And then they started to slow things down, started using the running backs more, designing screens, things like that, things around the line of scrimmage to try to slow some of the turnovers to the point where I I think it took a little bit away from what makes Patrick Mahomes so special. And that's when he breaks the pocket and gets outside and makes some of these incredible throws and for really outside of the first two drives offensively, basically until that late fourth quarter run, that's kind of how the offense was playing. Like they were a little scared and Mahomes was making some bad throws and he was making inaccurate passes and he was staring down wide receivers. And then in that fourth quarter, Andy said, all right, man, this is what it's about. This is, this is what we got you for. This is who you are. Go out there and do what you do. And he did. And he fed Tyreek Hill and he fed Travis Kelsey And this is the statement game that we've desperately been needing from the Kansas city chiefs. Like it wasn't pretty at times and you're shorthanded defensively, but it's hard to come away from this football game upset in any way. And not assuming that the chiefs are the best team in the AFC now. Oh, so you're there because last week you were in here with the Patriots and I told you, (laughs) I told you what Bill Belichick is bringing to the party and what Andy Reid's bringing to the party. Like, dude, no, they are the best team. And listen, we, we'll get to this. I said they got plenty of dudes. They did it without three of their best dudes on defense. And that defense stepped up. We got to get to them at some point here because that defense was huge tonight. I know they gave up yards. They gave up 28 points. Uh, this is the first time they've given up over 20 in six games. But I don't give a rip. They were special and kept this team out when they needed to, even Dan. Even sorry ass Dan Sorensen, they were special tonight. But listen, you remember you remember the game. I said Chris Jones is out. He's their best defensive lineman. Jarius Sneed is out. He is their best corner uh, by far. And then Willie Gay, which me and you were really concerned about that Austin Eckler matchup, uh, which they didn't really exploit. You know, luckily for the Chiefs, but they they had three guys at different levels of the defense that were going to be out. And I told you before the game, I said, "Got to our guy, the late." And great, Therese Paler. I'll never forget, he will say this to me. He goes, hey, sometimes Patrick Mahomes will just have an over-my-dead-body game. And I told you before the game, right, I said, 
this feels like a game where Patrick Mahomes is going to need to have a over my dead body game. And to be frank with you, before that fourth quarter, Patrick was getting in the car and driving over the Chiefs himself. I mean, he was turning the he was turning the gun on the on the Chiefs himself. He was killing the Chiefs. I mean, there were touchdown like his refusal to throw touchdowns to McCole Hardman. Literally three <laughs> different times, McCole Hardman I mean, was what? Shut up! Don't give me. I mean, that wide. goes back to what I was saying. He was just doing the first reads. He was staring down wide receivers. Okay. Listen, uh, okay. The first one right down the gut, yes, he was wide open, didn't look at him, then he didn't never even think about it. He was throwing it to Kelsey pre-snap. The second one, he has him wide open. They should he be at overtime. He just absolutely just just spikes the ball into the turf on fourth down. By the way, way too damn cute for my liking with Andy. But and then and then he had Hardman on the two-point conversion. It was the first read. He said to hell with that first read. He never even looked at him. <laughs> well, that so uh, I wanted to talk about that play anyways, because he had two wide receivers open on the or two pass catchers open on that read. And he just said no. But that was because oh, he the was Chargers looking at- were jumping those routes tonight and they were reading him because he was staring him down. Uh, so it made him a little gun shy. So he no, said he no. Didn't. He, he never let Clyde flew. correct he never, the route and no. he got Clyde for the two. So it still counted. We're good. He, he never looked at Hardman. He was looking at at, at Tyreek <laughs> Hill the entire time. He had told himself in his hand, I'm going to Tyreek and looked him. And then he looked at Kelsey. But my God, whatever. Like I said, he turned the wheel on the Chiefs himself. He was he was struggling. Like, and there was a part in that fourth quarter where I hadn't seen Travis Kelsey get this frustrated. He pissed Travis off on the second down and five, and he had Travis open and he spiked the ball into the turf again. And Travis showed outwardly showed his anger there. And then they of course came back and 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 that piano jumped on uh Travis's back on his way to the one yard line and he could score. But listen, they they struggled, but but dude, Pat can Pat can stink it up for his standards for three quarters, and then show you why he is the best in the game that we have today. That fourth quarter in overtime, Patrick Mahomes, when he had to make plays, was special. He didn't have it tonight. He wasn't reading anything worth a damn. He didn't, but he had to be special. He did it, and he had to, and he used those two guys that are board, uh, that are straight up Hall of Famers. And and two of the best that we have in the game as well, and they were and they were special. Damn, yeah, they 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 Damn. needed they needed this game. They they needed this performance. They needed this win, and this was going to decide the AFC West. And for a lot of the game, I was like, they are not winning this football game. But that's part of why we had all of this. Like, I don't I can't even think of what to call it, but like. We assume in every game that the Chiefs, no matter how much they are down, how much they are struggling, that Patrick Mahomes can do that because he has always done that. And this season, he struggled to do that, but he desperately needed a game where he put it all together at the end and won it for them, and he did it tonight. Like, this was that game we were pointing to, and I think we were all upset that the Chiefs' defense was not at full strength, that the Chargers weren't even at full strength because yeah, they, of the their tackle issues. was out. Yeah, because the COVID issues plaguing the NFL and going into this, we talked about it a lot. Like this is the game where everybody who's questioning them, everybody who's saying, uh, 
they've had some weird stuff happen on this winning streak, and that's why they keep winning football games. That's why the defense looks so much better. Like, this was the game where they needed it to happen, and those guys being out, like, can we talk about Spags for a second? Because <laughs> Spags put out a masterpiece tonight, as far as I'm concerned. I understand. I that... think masterpiece is a bit strong. <laughs> but, I mean, but, hey, they, they stepped up when they needed to. Because they, I mean, we're going to be honest. I mean, the, the, the Chargers were running all over their asses, and, and Justin Herbert was getting stuff. But when they needed to, we'll get to, we'll get to Brandon Staley. Like, come on now. Hey, man, you got to check back just a few times. Like, I mean, my God, I, I'll give it to Brandon Staley. He said, damn it, I'm going to let it hang, and I'm going to let that thing hang all night long. All right, I'm going to do it. Except for he didn't go for two. I mean, hell, why not? But, but, but no, like, Spags, I wouldn't say masterpiece, sort of, but he was – but they what they needed to do in a big way, they were able to do when they needed to on all those fourth downs. And then the drive at the end, because, Serta. I know we'll get to a lot of stuff here, and I know I'm jumping around. I don't give a rip. When Justin Herbert had the ball with a minute 20 left, and I think they got to get a field goal, oh, hell. I mean, what they've been doing all game was moving the ball in between the 20s. I side with Brandon Staley on this. Go for it on the fourth downs. I, I, I'm totally fine with it because – I don't think that you necessarily need to operate against this Chiefs team that way this season as we have seen teams do because they simply haven't been as explosive. They simply haven't been as consistent offensively as we're used to them being. And so you don't have to operate that way, but I don't have a problem operating that way in a game like this where you come into this game saying this is going to decide the division. Like if we sweep the Chiefs, we are going to win the AFC West. And so I don't have a problem with Brandon Saley being ultra aggressive throughout the entire game. Like, I love that approach. I wish more coaches would do that. Like, the Chiefs don't even attempt two. That was only their second two-point conversion attempt of the season, I believe. Like, I would like to see Andy do some of that stuff. So I don't disagree with the fourth down play calls, but they just didn't execute them, and it didn't work. And so we're going to talk about those field goals that they left on the table a lot probably over the next couple of days. But when it comes down to it, yeah, the Chiefs defense, shorthanded, missing some of their best players, they came up big, and they they made plays. Nick Bolton was absolutely mm. lights out tonight. Like, Nick Bolton came into this game and said, all right, I'm, I'm trying to make sure some people outside of Kansas City know who Nick Bolton is after this football game. And he did that. He, he was fantastic tonight. Like, it was his best game as a professional and with Willie Gay out and the massive improvements that he's made since he's come into that defense, you couldn't have asked for more out of Nick Bolton. He was absolutely incredible. tonight. No, and they needed, they needed him because, you know, I, I was, like I said, man, I, I think the chargers dropped the ball. I don't completely agree with the field goal things. I mean, I, under, I respect his aggressiveness. The one at the end of the half, especially to me, I think you've got to take the points there. You got to take the points there and go. They're just there were just points where I think it was becoming very obvious that you're like this wasn't a game where the Chiefs offense was just going to run up and down the field on you, right? Like your defense was doing stuff where boy, if they got a a two score lead, like it, it may be difficult. But by the way, the Chiefs were playing, so I I, I think a couple of those field goals he, he probably should have taken, but. As you said, this Chiefs defense, I don't want to specify this, man, or, or, or drop this enough. Like, they're playing without their best player, in my opinion. I think Chris Jones is their best defensive player, and we've seen him wreck and ruin games. 
the Dallas Cowboy game, he absolutely ruined the game. They, they do not win the game if he's not there. And, look, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit with, with Troy Aikman. Like, listen, I love Chris Jones. Like, I don't know if Chris Jones is stopping that run game. I mean, he may, he may have jumped in there a couple of times. <laughs> But I'm telling you, um, boy, Chris, jo- Chris Jones would have been out there taking some chances and leaving holes wide open behind him <laughs> uh, if I know if I know nine five. Uh, but I think there were some big pressures that you missed out on with him on on Justin Herbert. So I think that's a big key uh, missing out. But man, when you can buckle down, like we we we've said this for years, sort of field goals with this Chiefs offense are wins if you can hold. A, an offense like the Chargers to field goals, they're wins. And they set themselves up a bunch of times to hold them for field goals, but Brandon Staley was out here just shoot dice. He was going, for, he was going for, for tutties. <laughs> and going for broke and just, and, just getting, and just getting killed every single time. But what was it? What was it? Four times they stopped them, including a huge turnover uh, where they got – where Tashawn Wharton comes in and, and knocks the ball out as they were – I mean, four different times they were in the red zone and not only – and not just held the red zone, they were inside the 10. And not only did they not score or give up field goals, they didn't give up points. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.